We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today is Monday, February the 14th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. And on today's show, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, baseball season is officially upon us. And on today's show, our full 2022 Yardcock season preview show, including key losses, top storylines, my projected weekend rotation, the starting nine, projected lineup, biggest question surrounding this team, season will be successful if and I lock in my predictions for the upcoming season as the Yardcocks get going this Friday at Founders Park. Also, guys, we look back over the weekend as the Gamecocks secure a big road win over the Georgia Bulldogs. Guys, I'll give my full breakdowns, biggest takeaway from Saturday, hand out the Shooter Shoot Award, and we'll talk about what's next for Frank Martin's squad. Also, guys, we got a fantastic throwback conversation, great throwback interview with former Gamecocks, Randy Pitcher. Adam Hill, again, a conversation, guys, from May of 2019 that I know you are sure to enjoy. Folks, we have got a packed show for you here on this Monday. And, of course, as always, it's brought to you by the Spurs Up Show Store. Guys, head over to TSUS.store right now for all of our latest drops, including T-shirts, hats, pullovers, hoodies, stickers, you name it. We got it, guys. The best Gamecocks merchandise on the internet. Again, guys, you can find that over at TSUS.store. That is TSUS.store. Be sure to check it out and stay tuned for all of our latest drops, discounts, and everything in between. Let's get it. some days that I am more excited to record than others. In all honesty, there are some podcasts, some pieces of content where it's truly hard for me to contain my excitement, my passion, and my emotion. Folks, today, 
is one of those days because Gamecocks baseball is officially back. Folks, happy Monday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up show. As always, hope you're all feeling well. By the way, of course, the day after the Super Bowl, I can tell you this, when I worked in the corporate world, it's honestly criminal that anyone makes people work the Monday after the Super Bowl because you know everyone's hungover. Everyone went to a Super Bowl party. Everyone stayed up and watched the game. So again, hopefully my voice is soothing to some of you in some degree, and I hope you're having a fantastic Monday, and hopefully, just hopefully, you're not too hungover. But either way, guys, I'm going to appreciate you all tuning in. Like I said, guys, I'm fired up. I'm excited. we got a packed show. We're talking Gamecocks baseball. We're talking basketball. Feels good to be good. Hey, confirmed, confirmed, winning is fun. Winning is fun. And beating Georgia is really fun, too. Guys, again, a lot to get into before we do, though, really quickly. A couple of things I want to update. First things first. Opening day content. Of course, now we sit just four days away from first pitch. Folks, soak it all in. We're here. It's game week. The boys of summer are back on Friday. I've got big plans for the content on Friday. You might recall a couple of months ago on the early signing day when we did Twitter spaces in the morning, we did NCAA football live stream. We had the Daily Crow, but content was bleeding out of the eyeballs. It was a very unique content day. Folks, while I don't have the plans concrete right now, you can expect something similar and more of that content you all know and love on Friday. Again, guys, I'm planning on waking up and basically going live all day long. We'll be counting down the seconds to first pitch. The Daily Crow will operate as normal noon to two. And then, of course, first pitch over at Founders Park at four o'clock. But again, guys, stay tuned. Again, I'm kind of finalizing what I want to do. But again, there's going to be so much freaking content on Friday. I cannot wait. Also, of course, quick update. We are at 10 Roof this week on Wednesday, six to eight in the Vista. So be sure to come on out to that $3 drafts that are rumple shots and a damn good time. You already know the drill. Also, speaking of opening day content and baseball content, tailgate details are coming soon. I do not believe we're going to be throwing a tailgate this weekend just because of the game time with it being 4 o'clock on a Friday, 12.30 on Saturday, and I believe 1.30 on Sunday. Also, women's basketball has a game on Sunday. So I think as we go throughout the season, the tailgates are definitely going to come. We're working with Carolina Alehouse, partnering up with them. But the tailgates are going to be happening, but I don't think so for opening weekend. So again, guys, just stay tuned for that. Of course, in just a few weeks, we've got some very big series upcoming with Clemson, Texas, and then we get into SEC play. So, again, things are going to get very, very real, very, very fast. And, again, those tailgate details will be coming soon. Also, last thing, very proud to announce, guys, you've probably seen it on social media, but Two Cocky Chicks, Two Cocky Chicks has officially released Episode one, guys, right now we are on Spotify. We are waiting for the iTunes approval. But again, be sure to go follow Two Cocky Chicks on social media. And again, if you're sitting here like Chris, what are you talking about? Yes, we are expanding the business. Two Cocky Chicks powered by the Spurs Up show. Again, this is just the first step. This is the first step. And a lot of my plans in regards to expansion when it comes to the brand, the business, the entity, and everything in between. So, folks, again, really, really great stuff. I can tell you I was in the room when they were recording. Actually, really, really funny. So, again, a little bit of a different change of pace, if you will, from yours truly. But go check out Two Cocky Chicks, Episode 1. 
We're officially live. Again, please check it out. Please support and appreciate you all for your love and support. And let me say that also. All those who came out to Carolina Ale House in Augusta, Georgia, thank you so much. It was a huge success. Obviously, it's a lot of fun when you win the game as well. And no, we did not have to fight our way out of Augusta, Georgia with all the dogs fans there. Feels good to be good, and it feels good to beat the hell out of Georgia. But first, first, we are starting this show. Drum roll, please. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the official. 2022 Yardcocks season preview show. Let's freaking do the thing. Let's dive into it. And first, before we look ahead to Friday in this upcoming season, we have to reflect on what happened last year. In case you missed it, in 2021, Yardcocks, the Gamecocks baseball team went 34 and 23 overall, 16 and 14 in the SEC. And guys, of course, we all know what the storyline of last year's team was, right? Pitching was great. Thomas Farr, Brandon Jordan, Julian Bosnick in the weekend rotation, the emergence of guys like Jack Mahoney and Will Sanders, and of course, others in your bullpen that I'm going to get into in just a second. The hitting was not good enough. Yes, you had the big bashers, guys like Wes Clark and Brady Allen and Eister and Wimmer and all those familiar names. Yes, you had those big bashers. You had the home run threat but simply were not consistent enough. Of course, guys, you hosted a regional at Founders Park. Whatever you want to say, you quote-unquote hosted, you did. You hosted a regional at Founders Park first time since 2016, only to lose in your own regional to the Virginia Cavaliers. And again, we all recall, I'm not going to go in-depth, with a very painful regional loss, if you will. So again, Gamecocks will look to bounce back and the hitting side of things. Will Matt, that make the jump? Will that be improved? When you look at key losses from last year's team going into this season, you got to start on the bump with guys like Thomas Farr, Brandon Jordan, Brett Carey, of course, Danny Lloyd, Andy Peters. Had a lot of guys get drafted. A lot of talented arms are no longer in Columbia. And then at the plate, guys, you look, of course, Wes Clark tied to the league lead in home runs last year. Brady Allen, who was one of your better offensive threats and a true leader on this ball club. The veteran shortstop, George Khalil, David Mendham, Brennan Malone, Jeff Heinrich. So again, you got a lot of guys to replace, a lot of new faces mixed in with your savvy veterans and guys we're very familiar with. Let's dive into top storylines when it comes to this 2022 baseball season. And I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way, guys. I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way, and I'm going to start here. Because a lot of people, of course, when they talk Gamecocks baseball, they want to talk Mark Kingston. And I have sort of chuckled at the conversation and the commentary that I've seen on social media when people ask me, well, Chris, if, if you miss the postseason, if, the, you know, if you miss the postseason this year, is, is Mark Kingston on the hot seat? Guys, we all understand what the expectations are for Carolina baseball. And so my first point, my first storyline, I'm going to go ahead and get out of the way, like I said, is this. Is Mark Kingston really on the quote-unquote hot seat? And my answer is no. And, and let me explain. Again, going into year five, season four, it is very laughable. Like I said, when folks say, well, if you don't make the postseason, is he on the hot seat? Guys, again. This ain't football. This ain't basketball. With all due respect, there are clear-cut expectations on that diamond at the University of South Carolina. Missing the postseason is unacceptable. It's never been acceptable, and it never will be. So, yeah, if you miss the postseason, guys, it doesn't matter if it's Mark Kingston, if it's Chad Holbrook, if it's Ray Tanner, if it's Lou Pinella. I don't care who it is. If you miss the postseason – your job will be in jeopardy. We know that. He knows that. The players know that. Everyone knows that. Now, 
what Mark Kingston is facing this year, because you look at his tenure, right? 2018, you're a game away from Omaha. 2019, you had a terrible year. Call it for what it is, right? Carmen Majenski gets hurt early. Year did not go according to plan. 2020, the year didn't happen. And then last year, you host a regional, went 16 and 14 in the league. I thought you had, with all things considered, how bad you were swinging it, you had a pretty damn solid ball club. What Mark Kingston is facing, guys, it, it, it's not hot seat. Like, if, if I had to gauge the temperature of his seat right now, quote-unquote, I don't think Mark Kingston is on the hot seat. What Mark Kingston is facing is this competitive pressure, like real competitive pressure. God, I wish Frank Martin had some competitive pressure, guys. And you know why there's competitive pressure? at the University of South Carolina, because baseball is our crown jewel, and we care, and there are set expectations and standards of winning at the University of South Carolina. Guys, you saw the graphic that I posted just a couple of weeks ago, right? The Gamecocks have the second most SEC win since 2000, winning in South Carolina baseball. They go hand in hand. So again, hey, guys, you can say, well, if he misses the postseason, this, that, hot seat. Guys, no shit, no kidding, right? If you miss the postseason, at South Carolina, your seat will be hot, but there's real competitive pressure. Again, there are standards, there are expectations, and again, this is a fan base that is starved for Omaha. We have not had it since 2012, and we are itching to get back. So, yes, guys, I think there's pressure on Mark Kingston, but pressure is a privilege. Pressure makes diamonds. There is pressure on Mark Kingston because there are expectations and standards to uphold when it comes to Gamecocks baseball. So again, learn how to separate the two. Learn the difference between hot seat job on the line and real competitive pressure. Again, pressure is a fantastic thing. I wish Frank Martin had a little bit more of pressure, if you will, because of set expectations. Pressure, competitive pressure. How does Mark Kingston handle it? Again, we all know what's on the line and what's at stake and what he needs to do to make the fan base in Columbia South kind of happy. Now, getting on the diamond, top storylines, guys, on the diamond, you got to start at the plate. Guys, you simply put, did not swing the bat well enough last year, hitting around 240 overall, 220 in SEC play. That is simply not going to get the job done. Now, what did Mark Kingston do? He revamped his entire coaching staff. You were going to guy like Kaye from Texas A&M, who is heralded as one of the better recruiters and one of the better assistant coaches in the game. Of course, Justin Parker on the pitching side of things. How does a new approach at the plate, does that spell success for the Gamecocks offense. Now, I will say this. A lot of folks ask me, Chris, are we going to be small ball bunting all the time? Guys, we're still going to hit home runs, right? The problem last year was not that you hit home runs. Hitting a home run is a great thing. But when you solely rely on home runs and home runs are your only way of scoring and you're just simply put not productive enough at the plate, Overall productivity and situational hitting, those were the two biggest problems for South Carolina last year. Now, I think there is a new philosophy, if you will. I think it's stressed a lot more. I think situational hitting and small ball is going to be important. But just how much of a change do we see in the approach, and does that pay off major dividends? Because, again, guys, when you boil it down to it, you just got to swing the bat better. I think you feel like your arms are going to do their thing, and you, you, you got enough arms to figure out roles but a new approach at the plate, again, not necessarily getting rid of the home run. I don't think you have a guy like Wes Clark in your lineup, but being more well-rounded. Because when you're facing these guys on Fridays, Saturdays, these future big leaguers, these SEC guys, and you're going to that SEC grind, 
you got to be able to scratch out a couple of runs and you cannot live and die by the long ball. So again, a new approach to the plate. How does that factor into the success of this season? Guys, on the mound, another big storyline, the one-two punch of Will Sanders and Julian Bosing. Guys, I broke down the starting pitchers a couple of weeks ago and I told you and I said this, I think this weekend rotation could actually be better than the rotation you had last year. And, and that's all due respect to... Thomas Farr and Brandon Jordan and Brett Carey and Boz and everybody that pitched last year. But this one-two punch, I mean, again, you heard Aaron Fitz say it when we had him on the show. It could be the best one-two punch in the SEC, arguably. Now, I want to go ahead and get these out of the way, too. These rumors, I want to address them. Julian Bosnick, it is sounding like, from what we heard of the weekend, that he will actually not be available the first two or so weeks of the season, will most likely not be ready until Clemson because he is dealing with some elbow soreness. So, again, there are rumors, but where there's smoke, there's fire. Bosnick also did not pitch over this weekend. So, again, it would make sense. I don't think it's anything to worry about long-term. But I'm going to speak as if Bosnick, talking in the entirety of the season, he's going to be healthy. But, again, that one-two punch of Will Sanders, Julian Bosnick, of course, Sanders taking over in that Friday night role. Bosnick, who was used mostly out of the bullpen last year, he slides into Saturday. I think you're probably going to have James Hicks on Sunday. Again, guys, I'm going to get my projected rotation here in just a second. But that one-two punch of Sanders and Bosnick, just how good can they be? How good can they be? How electric can they be? Again, guys, year to year, you're going to have to replace guys. You're going to have to have guys step up. Can those guys step up? And again, serve as one of the better one-two punches in the SEC. Speaking of pitching and guys stepping up and filling roles in the big storyline, and probably, or at least one of my biggest questions going in this season is this, who steps up in the bullpen? because you got a bunch of new faces and you lost a bunch of key contributors from last year. Now, what's really interesting, and I think one of the biggest keys, the bullpen guys is this, and I talked about it a little bit a couple of weeks ago when I broke down the pen, you got a lot of veteran guys and, and a lot of guys returning that have good stuff that have pitched for you, but have never really been contributors. Of course, I'm talking about guys like John Gilreath, Wesley Sweat, Parker Coyne, Cam Tringali. You know, I know Brett Thomas has been hurt, but he returns as well. C.J. Wines. Guys who have here and there, you know, thrown good innings for you, pitched some big innings, but have never really been big-time contributors. Those guys, first things first, have to step up. Now, again, you got a lot of new faces, guys like Noah Hall and Michael Esposito and, and Matthew Becker and, and uh, you know, some others that you've added. Aiden Hunter, if you will, Kate Austin, of course. You've got a nice mix of those guys. But I'll be honest with you all, I, I sit here right now, the week of opening day, and I have an idea, but I, I don't think we know, guys, for sure. Hey, this dude's our seventh inning guy. Hey, this dude's our eighth inning. Hey, this guy's our closer. I think this is going to be something early on. You see Mark Kingston and Justin Parker are going to try to figure that out because, again, it's all about winning roles, right? It's all about winning roles. And again, I think these coaches do have a good idea, but you just don't have those known commodities that you had, for example, going into last season. You don't have the Danny Lloyds. You don't have the Brett Carries. You don't have the Peters, if you will. So again, who steps up in the bullpen? Who claims those roles? What can you get out of your veterans? And then your newcomers, how quickly do they get acclimated to the grind of SEC baseball? Uh, another big storyline, guys, and of course, I was speaking about this a little bit earlier when I taught Will Sanders. But a big question is this, the Friday night blues. I'm sure you're very familiar with the Friday night blues and what you had last year. Can the Cox in their Friday night woes? Because again, guys, in SEC play last year, you went two and eight, two and eight on Fridays. When you factor that in, it is a miracle 
a, a flat out miracle that South Carolina went 16 and 14 in SEC play. I, I mean, it really truly is, but you can't make a living doing that. Now, with Will Sanders, again, you got to be better swinging the bat. Can he help you, though? Can he be that frontline ace for you and give you that performance you need weekend, weekend in, weekend out? And then again, your lineup. Can you scratch out enough against some of the best arms in all of college baseball on a consistent basis to, again, at least I think you got to get that to 500, guys. I think you got to go five and five on Friday night. You can do that. You give yourself, you know, a pretty good chance, a pretty good chance of, you know, making some things happen in SEC play this year. But again, you got to end those Friday night woes. So again, I'll be very intrigued and interested to see, is this team better in game ones this season? Guys, another big storyline, I talked about it a little bit earlier, the newcomers and, and the important impact of these newcomers and the instant impact I think you're going to feel from transfers, freshmen. Again, guys, of course, you look at guys like Brant Belk who came in, Kevin Madden, you look in your pitching staff, guys like Noah Hall, uh, these Juco guys you have, Becker and uh, Esposito as well. So again, how quickly can those guys get acclimated, those who haven't played SEC baseball, and just how much can you get? Because Mark Kingston and company attacked the transfer portal. They did not sit on their hands. They did not just hope, well, our returners will do it. No, they went out and upgraded the roster and got good players through the transfer portal. So, again, those impact newcomers, guys who you're going to be depending on. We've seen South Carolina baseball have a lot of success with it before. Just how much do you get out of those guys? And, guys, my final top storyline going into this season is this. The SEC grind and simply just withstanding the SEC grind, grind, guys, in case you missed it, the Gamecocks are going to take on six teams ranked inside D1 baseball's preseason top 25. You're taking on three teams in the top five alone. Of course, in SEC play, you've got the third ranked Vanderbilt Commodores, the fifth ranked Ole Miss Rebels, ninth ranked Florida, 16th ranked Georgia and 19th ranked Tennessee. And oh, by the way, don't forget in non-conference play, you take on the Texas Longhorns or the preseason number one team in the country. Schedule's brutal. It always is. I actually think you got a little bit of a break when it comes to schedule. You trade out, instead of playing Arkansas and LSU, you play Alabama and Auburn. So, again, I think it actually favors you a little bit this year, but just withstanding the SEC grinding, guys, I'll tell you right now, I'll tell you right now, going into this season, you must understand you cannot take a football mindset into baseball season because you're going to lose games, guys. The SEC is too good. You're not going to win every series. You're going to lose a weekend here and there. It's going to happen, but it's a marathon, and it's not a sprint. Again, guys, if you can go 500 or better in this league when it comes to SEC play, you know what? I think you had yourself a pretty damn good year. You had yourself a pretty damn good year. So, Withstanding that SEC grind, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Will this team be able to withstand it? Guys, let's move to my projected starting weekend rotation and the midweek as well. This is how I view it. And, and again, go ahead and get it out of the way. I know the rumors around Julian Bosnick, and it sounds like he's most likely to miss the first couple of weeks. I'm going to project the weekend rotation, though, as if all of these guys are healthy. So this is how I see it shaking out. On Friday, of course, right-handed pitcher Will Sanders will take the bump for you. Your game one guy, I expect him to be electric. On Saturdays, I do think it will be left-handed pitcher Julian Bosnick when he returns from his injury. And then on Sundays, the guy that won the Sunday job, I believe from what I've seen from scrimmages, and again, where there's smoke, there's fire, it's sounding light. Right-handed pitcher James Hicks, a Juco guy, uh, really, really good stuff. I kind of compare him to Brandon Jordan 
Very repeatable delivery, downward angle, throw strikes. He's a strike thrower, got good movement on the fastball. Again, we'll see how he can do on Sundays. But I do believe James Hicks has won that Sunday role. So, again, Sanders, Bosnick, Hicks on the weekends. And then your midweek guys. Again, guys, you saw last year. I think it's going to continue to be a very Johnny Holstaff type approach. Get guys work, get guys innings. But in the midweek, I think guys you could see start. I think Josiah Seitler is going to be a big-time midweek starter for you this year. Of course, he started a couple games last year. I think Kate Austin could start. C.J. Wines could start. Noah Hall could start. So, again, you got a lot of options there. But I would expect Seitler to probably be the guy who gets the majority. But, again, any of those guys I mentioned, and really I think anybody in your bullpen uh, could start them for you. Again, guys, I think you're going to see a lot of what you saw last year with your starter only going two or three innings or so, and a lot of guys who need to get action, get innings, get work, you're going to see them pitch in the midweek. But again, Sanders, Bosnick, Hicks, I think that's going to be your starting rotation on the weekends. Let's go into the projected starting nine. Guys, again, this is not the lineup. This is just the starting nine, and then we'll get into the lineup. Uh, going around the diamond, your catcher, Colin Burgess, first baseman, Josiah Seitler, second baseman, Braylon Wimmer, shortstop, Michael Braswell, third baseman, Kevin Madden, left fielder, Brant Belk, center fielder, Matt Hogan, right fielder, Andrew Eister, and then again, at DH, I think it's Connor Sino right now, could be Thad Ector, just depending on matchups and what pitcher you're facing, but I do think Connor Sino is probably the guy at DH. Now, going through this starting nine, you guys might have questions. First off, Josiah Seitler played outfield all last year. From what I've seen at the scrimmages, he has played first base in every single scrimmage. Guys, when you're making a starting nine, it's really about getting the nine best bats in the lineup. That, that's really what it comes down to, because if you can hit, you will play. They will find a spot for you. Now, Seitler, I think, will man first base to start the year. Um, I could definitely see him sliding into that DH role. He can play outfield, as we all know. But I think Josiah Seitler will man first base. Of course, you've got Braylon Wimmer returning. Braswell's a freshman at short. We've talked a lot about him. Kevin Madden, the Virginia Tech transfer, will man the hot corner. Brant Belk in the outfield. Again, he can play first. He can play outfield. Played outfield for the Missouri Tigers last year. And Belk's certainly going to be a dude who's a huge factor for you in left. The center field position was one <clears throat> that I really wasn't sure on coming into this final week. And uh, saw a couple of scrimmages over the past few days. I think Matt Hogan, the Vanderbilt transfer, is the guy they're going to lean on. Hit a mammo bomb in the Sunday scrimmage. Um, and a dude that, of course, has all the athleticism. I think he has a lot of tools. I, will, I really want to see him hit better. My, my biggest thing with him is just can he swing the stick consistently enough? But he certainly gives you an athletic guy out there in the outfield. and that Definitely the top of your lineup, I think. I think Matt Hogan, the Vandy transfer, a lot of upside there. Of course, Eister returns. And then, like I said, I think the designated hitter spot, guys, I think it's going to be a bit of a revolving door. I think you're going to see Sino get a shot. That Ector could be there. Uh, Vito could take that spot. Jack Mahoney could get a look. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of guys. And, again, there's a lot of dudes you can slide in and out there. And Josiah Seitler, like I said, he could go in there. Braylon Wimmer could be your DH as well. But that is my projected starting nine right now, which takes me into my projected opening day lineup. Now, guys, let me preface it with this. There's a couple of dudes who are going to be everyday players on the jump. I'd be comfortable in saying they're going to start basically every game. But you're fooling yourself if you don't think this lineup is going to change and change pretty frequently. Again, guys get hot, guys get cold. Hey, guys win positions, lose positions, what have you. But again, this is my projected lineup going into opening day on Friday. You start the top of your lineup. I just talked about in the Vandy transfer. Center fielder, Matt Hogan. I think he will be your leadoff. Again, the athleticism is there. Uh, can handle the bat pretty well. 
I think he's your typical speedster, typical leadoff man. In the two-hole, I've got second baseman Braylon Wimmer. Again, Wimmer, a guy who spent a lot of time at the top of the lineup last year, has athleticism. He's a speedster, but also has pop and power. So, again, I think Wimmer in the two-hole. Andrew Eister in the three-hole. Guys, I think Eister is primed for a major year, whether he's in the three, the four, the five. Again, guys, I think three through six, really, you could put any of them in any of these slots. So, I've got Eister in the three-hole. I've got Kevin Madden, the Vatek transfer in the four hole. Again, he didn't have huge power numbers last year at Vatek, but he did hit 313. I think his power numbers playing at Founders Park will go up. Vatek's ball field is a freaking graveyard. So I do expect his power numbers to go up. I think he could hit double digit home runs for you. I got Brant Belk. In the five-hole, guys, if you've heard me talk about Belk, you know I'm a huge fan of Brant Belk and what he brings to this baseball team, what he brings to this club as a leader on and off the field. I think Brant Belk, though, in that five-hole, you could put him in the two-hole, you could put him in the five-hole. Guys, Brant Belk could literally go anywhere, but I got him in the five right now. Josiah Seitler in the six-hole. And how how awesome is it that Seitler doesn't necessarily have to be your cleanup guy this year? I mean, certainly he could, like I told you guys, three through six. I think you could put them anywhere, but I got Josiah Seitler in the six hole right now. Your designated hitter in the seven hole, Connor Sino. Going to be really interesting to see how that position, how that role plays out. Does he stay the DH? Does somebody else get a shot? We'll see. In the eight hole, you've got your catcher, Colin Burgess. Burgey freaking barrels down there at the bottom of the lineup. I think that's a really solid bat in the eight hole. And then finally, your nine hole, the freshman. Michael Braswell. And again, it's going to be very interesting to see how Braswell performs as a true freshman. But at least this year, and and this is all due respect to George Khalil, love covering Georgie, but at least you feel like now you don't have necessarily an automatic out in the nine hole. Just call it for what it is. So again, that is my projected opening day lineup, guys. We'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts from what I've seen? That is my best nine. That's my best lineup. That is what I'd sign on the card on opening day. Now let's move into the biggest question surrounding this team. What is the biggest question? And I nearly, because guys, I've been at basically all the scrimmages. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. I I just see, I don't don't see any way this lineup isn't massively improved. With the guys you added at the corner, the guys you added to the transfer portal, this lineup to me is going to be so much better. And so I really look at this team. I think the bullpen is one of the biggest questions. Who steps up? Who claims the roles? But the biggest question surrounding this team, it has to be the hitting. After last year and the reason you lost games, the way you lost games, it has to be the hitting. So the biggest question is this, just how much better will the hitting be? Because I think we all expect the hitting to improve. Hell, it can't get much worse than it was a season ago. But how much better will it be? Just how much better? Will your hitters be? Uh, again, you can't hit 220 in the SEC and have any type of success. Hell, you can't hit 240 overall and win many baseball games. You cannot put that type of pressure on your pitching staff weekend after weekend. So, again, the question lies in the box, swinging the stick. How much better will the Yardcocks be? How much of an improvement will they make? How much does the philosophy and the approach change? And how much more success will that spell for this team? So, again, guys, my biggest question surrounding the team going into Friday and the rest of this season, just how much better? How many strides can you take in regards to hitting? Let's move into season will be successful if. What will spell a successful 2022 season for the Yardcocks? And almost more importantly, Mark Kingston. What does he need to do? Where, what heights does he need to take this team to? Now. 
I know many of you will say, Chris, Omaha, duh. We got to go to Omaha. Realistically, realistically this year, we know that Omaha is the expectation. We know that Omaha is the goal. But to me, the season will be successful if you don't have to host a regional, right? You don't have to win a certain number of SEC games. Make it to the Supers. I, I think getting to a Super Regional, whether you host your own regional or you don't, making the Super Regionals, just showing you are getting closer to the ultimate goal, which is Omaha, showing you're making those improvements, I think that will spell a successful year. I said the same thing last year, and I'll say it again this year. Making the Super Regionals, I, I think that's a very doable goal, and I think it's one that, you know, for Mark Kingston to really make Gamecock fans feel like, he is the answer, and he is getting this team closer to that goal of making an Omaha. I think getting to a super and at least being close to that destination, I, I think that is a very, um, again, achievable goal and one that Mark Kingston and this team need to hit. So, again, for me, the season will be successful if you make it to the Super Regionals, which leads me into, finally, my prediction for the 2022 Yardcocks. How will the Gamecocks fare on the diamond this season? Really quickly, guys. Let's go through the schedule and talk some notable weekends. You know, you open up with UNCG for three games. You got Winthrop in the midweek. You got George Washington for three. App State in the midweek in Charlotte. And then your schedule gets serious really, really fast, guys. You got Clemson for three in the best rivalry in all of college baseball. Xavier in the midweek. Texas for three at home, which will be a massive series and I think will really give South Carolina an opportunity to make their mark early before you even go into SEC play. Then you've got Gardner-Webb at home at Tennessee for three to open up SEC play, which will be a really big series. At the Citadel of the Midweek, Vandy at home for three that weekend series. PC at home. Then you travel to Mizzou for a weekend series. You got UNC in Charlotte in the midweek. Georgia at home. Georgia at home for a weekend series. North Florida in the midweek. Ole Miss at home on a Thursday through Saturday. Of course, guys, that's part of the big Gamecock weekend with the spring game. Going to be a lot of fun. You then travel to Winthrop for a midweek game on April the 20th. Then you travel to Auburn for three, April 22nd to 24th. Then no midweek. You've got Bama coming in the next weekend for three. North Carolina A&T in the midweek at Texas A&M for three. USC Upstate in the midweek. Kentucky at home, your final home series for three games. You then got Charlotte, the last home game of the season in the midweek. And then finally, you close out SEC play and close out the regular season at Florida in a Thursday through Saturday Series. So again, I, I will say this. Yes, you have the rivalry series with Clemson. Yes, you have Texas. But all in all, I think you've actually got a favorable draw, guys. You got a favorable schedule when it comes to uh, you know, the teams that you play in SEC play. Um, I think the teams that you play in SEC play, I think you really did get a favorable draw. And I think that's going to help South Carolina this year. With that being said. I know there's questions in the bullpen, and certainly the biggest questions we just talked is about swinging the stick and can you swing it well enough to produce. When it comes to the pitching staff, I, I feel very confident in your starting rotation. I think Will Sanders is going to be one of the best pitchers in the SEC. I think he can be pitcher of the year if he really pitches up to his capabilities. I, I love what Julian Bosnick brings. I think he will slide into that starting role nicely once he's healthy. And I think James Hicks is a quality Sunday guy. In a midweek, you should be set. And again, I think you'll swing it better where you don't necessarily have to have a gym thrown on a Tuesday night to get the W. And I think you've got enough arms, guys. Well, I don't have all the answers right now in regards to, you know, who's going to be the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, the closer, whatever. I think you've got enough quality arms to figure it out when it comes to the bullpen. 
swinging the stick, guys, like I told you, I just don't see any way this lineup is not immensely better. Because you just look at your roster, and you look at your starting nine, and you look at where you upgraded, right? We've talked about it breaking down the Yardcocks over the last couple of weeks. I mean, Brant Belk, massive upgrade. Kevin Madden, huge upgrade at the third base position. I think Braswell's an upgrade at shortstop. And you return a nice mix of these impact transfer portal guys, your newcomers, your youngsters, your freshmen, and your savvy veterans. Guys like Andrew Eister, who's a glue guy for you, Braylon Wimmer, Colin Burgess, Josiah Seitler, those mainstays from a year ago. I've seen and heard a lot of folks be down and negative on this team. I know D1 baseball picks you to finish fifth. And, guys, when it comes to predictions and projections, for those who don't go to all the scrimmages and they don't watch all the games and they don't don't know the roster like you and I do, for those folks, all they see is, oh, well, they lost Wes Clark, they lost Brady Allen, they lost this pitcher, that pitcher. How can they ever recover? For those of us who go watch this team, We know the answers are there, and I think the answers are there, guys, and I'll tell you this again. I don't understand some of the negativity and the just negative noise that I've seen surrounding Gamecocks basketball – or, excuse me, Gamecocks baseball, I should say. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But I don't understand the negativity and the negative noise when it comes to the Yardcocks. Guys, I'm high on this team. I'm giddy on this team. I'm not sitting here saying South Carolina is going to win the SEC or even win the SEC East or, or even finish second or third but I think this is going to be a good year. And I think it's actually, believe it or not, going to be an improvement from last year. I I really do. Again, I think you've got enough quality arms to figure it out in the bullpen. I think you're going to be so much better swinging the stick. And I think the schedule actually works out for you. I really do believe the schedule, not having to play Arkansas, not having to play LSU, and instead getting Alabama and Auburn, which are very manageable weekend series, I think you'll take advantage. You've got some great home series this year as well. You know, Tennessee out the gate will be a great Uh, measuring stick for you, if you will. You're going to have a great opportunity to make your mark early in SEC play. So with that being said, guys, I've got the Gamecocks finishing 39 and 24 this season with a 17 and 13 SEC record. Yes, believe it or not, again, I think this team does improve. I think the Gamecocks are being slept on. Again, I've watched this team, guys, in scrimmages. And again, not drawing conclusions from scrimmages, if you will, but there's talent on this team, especially in this lineup. This lineup will be so immensely improved, I think. And again, you got enough quality arms to figure it out. It could be shaky early with the bullpen, but thankfully, again, you've got UNCG and George Washington, all due respect to those guys. You've got those guys to open up with. So again, 39 and 24, 17 and 13 in SEC play. And with that being said, I do think this Gamecocks baseball team has what it takes to get to the Super Regionals. Again, I, I'm not going to claim Omaha with this team. I think you might still be a couple of pieces away, a couple of big arms, a couple of big bats, but I do think this team is capable of making it to the Super Regionals, and I'm going to lock that in for my predictions for this 2022 season. 39-24 and 24 overall, 17-13 and 13 in SEC play, and I do think you will see the Yardcocks back in a Super Regional this year, and I do think you will host a Regional I think you'll host a regional, and this team wants revenge for last year. They win their own regional. They go to a super regional. Again, do you host? Do you go somewhere? Who knows? But either way, I do think this team has that capability. So, again, guys, lock me in. 39-24, and 17-13 and 13 in SEC play, and I do think this is a super regional ball club. So, again, guys, that is going to do it. 
for the full 2022 Yardcocks season preview show. Again, guys, I would love to hear from you all in the comments, your thoughts, your commentary on this upcoming season. My predictions. What are your predictions and projections for this team? What are your thoughts on the overall starting nine, weekend rotation, Mark Kingston, all that good stuff? Again, guys, would love to hear from you and cannot wait for Thursday when we'll start breaking down. We'll break down the UNCG series as a whole. We'll do all of our series preview shows on Thursday. And then, of course, Friday, opening day, ball meets bat. We get it going. Let's freaking go. Again, predictions and projections are locked in and would love to hear from you all in regards to the 2022 Yardcocks. All right, let's move off the diamond and on to the hardwood to close things out because guess what, guys? It feels good to be good, and it doesn't matter what sport it is. Beating Georgia is fun. Gamecocks getting a much-needed big 80-68 to 68 win over the Georgia Bulldogs. And, guys, just jumping right into my biggest takeaway. I said this last time we played them, and I'll say it again. We absolutely own the Georgia Bulldogs on the hardwood, both men's and women's, by the way. We own Georgia, and it's just not even funny. It's just not even close. We absolutely own the University of Georgia in regards to basketball. I mean, listen, we're not great. I don't think we're a very good team, guys, but Georgia is abysmal. Georgia is terrible. As I said in the post game, thank God Georgia even exists. But again, I, I thought what you saw, guys, finally for a change after, after a really tough slate, South kind of was able to pick on somebody else. You saw your shooters really emerge. Guys like Keyshawn Bryant, James Reese, Devin Carter with a huge game. Uh, Stevie had a better game, I thought. Really top to bottom, your team just looked more crisp. And again, guys, when you look at the statistics, you shot 51% from the field. 51% from the field. You shot 40% from three, going eight of 20. That was a huge difference. You shot 73% from the free throw line. And you look at your defense. Again, you held Georgia to 42%, 31% from three-point land, 72% from free throws. But again, guys, when you shoot over 50%, you're, you're going to win. I mean, you're going to win every single time. You're going to win every single time. So again, guys, what does it really mean in the grand scheme of things, right, outside of the fact that beating Georgia is fun and you own the University of Georgia? But what does it really mean? I don't think it means a lot. I mean, guys, I'll say this. Thank God, as you sit here now, what, five and you are now five and seven, five and seven in SEC play. Thank God you play Georgia and Vanderbilt each twice in a respective season because things would look much different and feel much different if you did not. But again, it feels great to pick on someone else and I, I think get out some frustration, right? It's been a really frustrating last couple of weeks. And no, do I think a win over Georgia changes anything in the grand scheme of things? Do I think this is a tournament team? Do I, no, guys, let's not overreact. It's so funny to see the slap dicks on Twitter try to come at me and, and oh my God, like, look at this, look at this team. Guys, you beat Georgia, who is now 1-11 and at SEC play, 1-11. and So, hey, enjoy the victory. Enjoy the victory. I, I think it's wise to enjoy it because I don't know how many more you're going to get this season. But also keep in mind that we did what we should have done. We did what we were supposed to do against a really bad Georgia team. Guys, let's go ahead and hand out the Shooter Shoot Award. And it's got to go to Keyshawn Bryant. 22 points, 8 for 11 from the field, 3 for 4 from the three-point range, and 3 of 4 from the free throw line. It is so fun. Keyshawn Bryant's got to be one of the most fun guys to watch when he's really on his game, guys. I mean, just the, the physical specimen that he is and the human highlight reel, and once he gets it going, and really loved his stroke from outside, three or four from three-point land. Uh, what a game from Keyshawn Bryant. Now, what's next and what is upcoming for Gamecocks basketball? Another really tough 
road test as you go on the road Tuesday, February the 15th, tomorrow night at Ole Miss. Can South Carolina, if you can win that game at Ole Miss, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the momentum that you can generate, who knows? Who knows what could happen? And with each win, of course, guys, you all know I get one win closer to a Frank Martin tattoo on my buttocks. So I would love to see it. I'd love to have to do it. What a story it would be. Got a big one tomorrow night at Ole Miss. So again, guys, that's going to do it all for me. That's going to do it all for the Georgia recap. Guys, you got any thoughts on that? We'd love to hear from you, your biggest takeaways from the win on Saturday afternoon. And again, what a show, guys. What a show here on this Monday. Again, guys, appreciate you all. Your love and support podcast, Daily Crow is normal. But don't go anywhere, by the way. The podcast isn't over. Great throwback conversation interview with former Gamecocks running pitcher Adam Hill. Again, guys, we talked his illustrious career in Garnet and Black in this conversation from May of 2019. So you may have never heard it, but uh, really, really good stuff from Adam Hill talking his career and what a career it was in the Garnet and Black. Guys, again, appreciate you all tuning in. I'm fired up, man. Content bleeding out the eyeballs this week with opening day on Friday. And of course, basketball still rolling. And we get closer and closer to spring practice beginning for Gamecocks football as well. You know, Shane Emery keeps us on our toes, man. But either way, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. By the way, forgot to mention, happy Valentine's Day. Hopefully you and your Valentine have a fantastic day. Wishing you all the best. And thank you so much for tuning in here on this Valentine's Day. Guys, again, appreciate you all. It's going to do it all for me. Have a great rest of your Monday and enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks Ryan a pitcher, Adam Hill. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2016 to 2018. During that time, he amassed a 17-11 overall record, a 3.58 ERA, and 226 and a third innings picks for the Gamecocks. He was also taken in the fourth round of the 2018 MLB draft by the New York Mets and is now a member of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers in the Milwaukee Brewers organization. I'm pleased to welcome the show former Gamecocks right-handed pitcher Adam Hill. Adam, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So let's kind of, Adam, go back to the beginning for you because obviously you were a guy that uh, you were taken actually out of high school in the 2015 MLB draft by the uh, the San Diego Padres in the 39th round. So obviously – you know, you're a guy, you're a very, high, very highly regarded prospect, third best high school prospect in the state of South Carolina by Diamond Prospects. Um, and you probably could have went anywhere, really, out of T.L. Hanna High School. Just talk about kind of your recruiting process and what eventually led you to South Carolina to become a Gamecock. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I mean, ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to be a Gamecock. That was always my goal. Um, and, you know, once I started picking up some interest from some schools, you know, I mean, a lot of different schools, you know, had some great things to offer, but I mean, you know, my heart was just set on South Carolina. And then, you know, when I, when I started talking with the coaching staff and, and all that, I just knew it was a place for me. So it was really a no brainer. So you grew up a South Carolina fan and I, I'm, I'm sure you probably watched those teams from 20, 2010 to 2012 do what they did in, uh, in Omaha, I'd imagine, right? Yeah, absolutely. I followed, I followed them all the way through. <laughs> no doubt. So, Let's talk 2016, man. I mean, Adam, you get on campus and, you know, for a lot of people, there's a little bit of a transition period, right? When you go from high school baseball to college, it just changes the speed of the game, the, you know, everybody's the best player from their high school team when you get to college, especially when you get into SEC baseball. Wasn't that hard of a transition for you? I mean, you literally went 7-0, 3.53 ERA, um, had 14 starts that year. I mean, had a fantastic year, over 66 innings pitched through really well. I mean, what would you attribute to such a smooth transition for you from high school to college? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't think it it wasn't as easy in the fall because, you know, like you said, the game's a lot faster, so I had to I had to get acclimated to it. But I mean, once I did, you know, with the help of Coach Myers, who was the pitching coach at the time, and and you know, just the help from all the other coaches and my teammates, you know, I was able to, you know, be, uh, you know, I don't really know, just attack hitters, you know, just fearlessly attack hitters and go at everybody, and I mean, that that allowed me to be pretty successful. No doubt. And so what was your relationship like? Obviously, Jerry Myers a step down. I believe it was, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was into 2017 or after the 2017 season or maybe fall of uh, fall of 17. He stepped down as pitching coach, obviously, due to health right. reasons. And still involved with the Gamecocks Athletics Organization. But uh, just talk about kind of what your relationship was like with Jerry Myers because obviously he did great things for the Gamecocks. Yeah, it was it was awesome. I mean, you know, he he helped me tremendously, just not only as a pitcher but as a person. I mean, you know, he when it came to baseball, you know, he just really really knew his stuff. I mean, he, he could break down any pitcher and you know see what they were doing wrong, know what they needed to correct, and you know, he just kind of helped me refine my mechanics and help me be more consistent in the zone, and you know, help me from the the mental aspect as well. So, I mean, overall, you know, it was, I really really enjoyed getting to to play for him for two years. Was there a moment you would say your freshman year where it kind of clicked for you that you, you knew and like mentally you knew like, okay, I, I belong on this stage. I think that's one of the, one of the biggest things young guys face is just like accepting and kind of knowing they belong. If you will, they always say there's kind of that bubble number above your head. And once you hit that number, you've become a master at your craft or you, you hit that confidence level or whatever. I mean, was there, was there ever a moment where you maybe it was an outing or maybe a bullpen where you're like, okay, I, I've got the hang of this, like I know I can have big success, or was it just as soon as you stepped on campus, it, it automatically clicked for you? Um, yeah, I think it was probably you know that first outing I had my freshman year, my first starting at Appalachian State. Uh, you know it, you know I just went out there. I think it was like six innings, like something like ten or eleven strikeouts, something like that, and I was just kind of like, whoa, you know, I mean. Uh, you know, it was, it was a huge stage, but I was like, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, you know, I couldn't, can't really put it into words. It was just kind of like, wow, like I'm, I'm really pitching for the Gamecocks out here. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, th- I guess it was that moment where I was really like, okay, like, I, you know, I could do this. So, for sure. So that that first year for you, Adam, obviously 2016, you guys did very well, made it all to the, all the way to the super regional round. I was gonna probably save this question for later in the interview, but I'll go ahead and ask anyways. Obviously. Your roommate, obviously, Braden Webb, I'm sure he's back there in the background talking crap about me or putting something in your ear, but uh, <laughs> uh, great dude. But just kind of talk about you're able to play with him, obviously, your freshman season and now being in pro ball, rooming with him. I mean, how cool is it to uh, to not only play with him at South Carolina, but then be able to room with him down the road in, uh, in professional baseball? Yeah, it, you know, it's awesome, especially in professional baseball, getting to you know see a familiar face in Braden. Um, you know, he's obviously a guy that's had a lot of success, not only like obviously in college, but also in professional baseball. So just, just learning from him and, uh, you know, the stuff, you know, he can help me with and, you know, just, just getting to, you know, just getting to have him around and stuff like, like we did in spring training. I mean, it, it was, it was just really awesome, you know, having, having a guy that I'm familiar with and, and been around with and, uh, and, and friends and friends with. It's just, it was just really, really nice to have that. No doubt. So speaking again of the success of that 2016 season, obviously you guys make it to the super regional round against uh, Oklahoma State. Obviously, unfortunately, you know, came up short, but just kind of talk about again as a true freshman getting to, you know, that stage as far as a guy again that came up watching South Carolina baseball have all the success they did in the regional, super regionals, Omaha. I mean, 
how, what did it feel like? How cool was it to get a taste of that your first year on campus? Yeah, you know, just it was just kind of a surreal moment, honestly. I mean, you know, the year before I was playing high school baseball, and then the next year I'm, you know, I'm in the Super Regionals with South Carolina. So, you know, it, it was pretty crazy for sure. Um, yeah, you know, that, that was a that was a tough Super Regional. We, you know, we gave it everything we had. But, I mean, definitely getting in, just being in that environment in Founders Park in the Super Regional was, was un- an unbelievable experience. No doubt. So, Adam, let's move ahead to 2017. Obviously, you, you continued, I think, to do what a lot of Gamecock fans expected. I mean, it's funny. 2017 was your best ERA year of your career and also your worst win-loss record. I mean, I think that's like the definition <laughs> of baseball right there. You had a 3.04 ERA, 3-6 yeah. and six win-loss record. Obviously, you guys had a really rough year, and then Chad Holbrook was, uh, you know, kind of mutually parted ways, if you will, which I'm going to get to in just a second. But, I mean – just kind of talk about what you remember from that 2017 year, because obviously as a pitcher, you've got to go out there and just do, you know, put your head down, do your job and not worry about what the offense is doing. But I mean, did it ever at some point just get frustrating with the lack of run support you were getting? And I mean, I can imagine you, the competitor that you are and the entire team really being frustrated that season. But I mean, what do you remember and take away from that 2017 season? Yeah, you know, it it was frustrating. Uh, but the thing is about that season, you know, we were in almost every single game and we just had some tough breaks that, that didn't go our way. But I mean, you know, as far as being frustrated with, you know, there was no frustration on anyone's performance. I mean, everybody came to the park ready to go. Everybody worked hard. So, I mean, you know, no frustration as far as that goes. But I mean, as far as, you know, losing close games and stuff, we, we lost our fair share of those. So, I mean, that, that, that got frustrating at times, but I mean, you know, we, we never wavered. We kept we kept battling all the way through that year. So, uh, yeah. Would you say? Do you think you know? Just personally for you, would you say you made a big jump from that freshman to sophomore year as far as just comfort on the mound stuff? I mean, probably. I'm sure you put on a lot of size, probably just from the weightlifting program. It was was there a big jump jump for you from freshman to sophomore year within your game? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I was definitely stronger. Um, you know, I, I just kind of felt, like you said, from a stuff standpoint, too, I just kind of felt like my stuff was, was a little sharper that year. And I, I just kind of, you know, going from your freshman, sophomore year, you need to, to make a little jump. And I kind of felt like I had that. I kind of, you know, felt like when I threw the ball, I had a little bit more on it and that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, I think definitely the, you know, the, the weightlifting program and everything I did in the off season definitely helped me that year. No doubt. So, let's kind of go back before the 20 20- – say before the 2017 season when things kind of just unraveled, if you will, for Chad Holbrook. Obviously, we had, like I said, Braden on the show about a month or two ago, and, you know, he had some very strong opinions on his support of Chad Holbrook, but I'm curious to get your opinion as well on just, you know, what was your experience like with Chad Holbrook? I can imagine you had a similar one as he did, but what was that like playing under Chad Holbrook? Yeah, you know, I, I really enjoyed my time playing under Coach Holbrook. I mean, he he's an awesome guy, an awesome coach, and, uh, you know, I mean – Unfortunately, some things just just didn't work out the way we wanted them to. But I mean, you know, I, that, that doesn't change the fact that I, you know, I I enjoyed my time playing under under him. And uh, you know, he's he's just a guy you, you really want to go to battle for. So uh, you know, I really really enjoyed it. For sure, I was gonna say, Adam. I think you're actually the first guy that I've had on this show that went through the the transition, if you will, from Holbrook to Kingston. So I'll ask you, you know, when. Because I, I remember literally when the Holbrook announcement came, I think it was – it felt kind of like a news dump because it was like middle of the summer. It was like 8 o'clock at night, and all of a sudden you get on Twitter and it's like, bam, Chad Holbrook is leaving South Carolina. I mean, 
was it what was the reaction from amongst you the players I mean were you shocked did you see it coming I mean what was that like I mean yeah we we were kind of shocked you know we were a little caught off guard but uh you know it's just it's just the way things went I mean you know it was, like you said it was just kind of a shock to everybody it happened pretty fast but you know I mean it is it is what it is I mean at that point we were just kind of waiting to, to see what was the next step was going to be no doubt and the next step obviously was Mark Kingston I want to ask you obviously Skylar Mead comes in as well I'm sure a guy that you got very close with the pitching coach um just simply put kind of what's your take on Mark Kingston obviously you got to play for him play under him for a year um did you guys hit it off immediately I mean what was that like as far as Mark Kingston coming in the building yeah, he's he's awesome. Coach Kingston's awesome. Um, you know, he came in with a lot of energy, uh, upbeat attitude, and, uh, you know, just really kind of put a spark underneath all of us. And, you know, same thing with Coach Mead. I mean, you know, the, those guys are awesome. And, you know, really got us excited to go out there and play every day. And, you know, he kept a positive attitude all the way through. And it, it was definitely really, really fun to play underneath him. No doubt. So a big transition for you, Adam, you know, going from 2017 to 2018 personally was that you went from being the Sunday guy to being the Friday guy. And that was, you know, I, I, I tell people just that role in general, it, it's different. I mean, I think you'd probably agree it's different going from being the third starter to that guy on Friday night. There's, you know, when you're, that's kind of the, you know, the primetime game, you're facing another MLB, MLB type guy on the other side. What was the transition like for you? If, if any, maybe I'm wrong. Was there, was there any type of mental transition for you? And how do you think you handled that in 2018 kind of going forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely a difference. I mean, on a, on a mental side of things, I don't think there's really a difference for me just because, you know, you, you want to go out there and go as deep as you can into the game uh, in every outing. But uh, definitely on Friday nights, you know, you need to go deep into the game. Uh, you need to give a good quality start, you know, to set, all, set the, uh, the weekend off on a good a good note um and you know on a, on a Sunday any given Sunday you could you know throw throw maybe two innings in a start and try to piece together a win on a Sunday using the bullpen I mean you know it's just, it's just a different animal but uh yeah I mean you know I, I struggled here and there but I also had some good starts in there you know it, it's it's definitely a different animal thrown on Friday nights but uh you know I just tried to approach it like I would any other outing uh, you know, every Friday night, just go out there and get ready to compete, throw strikes, and do whatever I can to help the team win. Yeah, and, and I would agree with you. Did you did pretty well? You made 16 starts, seven and five overall record, 4.12 ERA, but you had a team best 101 strikeouts and 83 innings pitch. You led the SEC uh, with a 192 opponents batting average. You led the conference, and you're 18th in the country in hits per per nine innings with 5.96. Um, I mean, you could just keep going on and on. 47 strikeouts and 46 innings pitch in SEC games. And then, obviously, you had the two games where you had 14 strikeouts back-to-back, which I want to get to in just a second. But, I mean, what would you say clicked for you? Because I think anybody that had watched your first two years of your career and then watched that junior season in 2018, you could just see, I mean, the velocity on the fastball, the stuff was extremely sharp. You know, you, you'd obviously evolved as a pitcher. You knew how to pitch. And when you have that type of stuff and you know how to pitch – it's going to make a guy like you really, really hard to hit. I mean, what do you think clicked for you in that junior year? Yeah, you know, like you said uh, before, you know, making a jump from from freshman to sophomore year, I think, I, you know, I was able to make another jump from my sophomore to my junior year. Um, and like I said, everything just felt sharper. Everything coming out of my hand felt harder. And, you know, and I had the experience of throwing in the SEC, luckily from my freshman and sophomore year. So, like you said, I was – I knew how to attack the hitters and – 
but just attack them with better stuff, I guess. And uh, I don't know, you know, I just felt really, really confident going out there every every outing. I, I felt good and, you know, I was able to have a little bit of success. Did you feel like in 2018 you were just going to strike everybody out? Because it, it, it honestly it's, at one point felt like that to me. It, it just I'm like, this guy is just going to strike out everybody. It made me think of the uh, the Bull Durham line, like let them put it in play. Strikeouts are fa- fastest or whatever. Um, I mean, what, what was – were you – I mean, you know, there, there are strikeout pitchers. There are guys that pitch to contact. I mean, what was your kind of mindset? Did you go – were you up there thinking, I'm, I just want to strike everybody out? Were you pitching to contact? I mean, did the strikeouts just kind of – just happened to come about what was the the mindset there for you I mean it just varied I mean you know throwing on Friday nights like I said you want to go deep into the game so I mean any early contact you're going to welcome it but I mean if I got into those 0-2-1-2-2-2 counts you know I, I was trying to throw a strikeout pitch trying to strike the guy out so I mean I guess it just really just varied from count to count but I mean if I got in that count I was definitely trying to, to come after somebody and, and get a strikeout for sure for sure. So let's talk about that night against Charleston Southern, February 23rd, 2018. You set a Founders Park record with 14 strikeouts. And I think people forget this as well. You didn't allow a hit or walk in seven innings. You, you, th- you threw a perfect seven innings, had 14 Ks, 7 nothing win. Obviously, you guys get the W. But let me ask you this. That night specifically, I mean, did you know was – it was it something where you knew in the bullpen, you, you know, like I'm going to have a good night, you had all your stuff? And then my second question is – how badly did you were you trying to beg Mark Kingston and Skylar Me to let you stay in that game and go the full nine? <laughs> yeah, so um, you know, I, I had a tough outing my first outing of the year and uh, you know, I just told myself that uh I was gonna bounce back in a big way and just go out there confident and just trust that, you know, all the hard work I, I had put in was gonna pay off. And so, you know, I went out there super confident and just was able to throw the ball well that day. And and yeah, I mean you know, I think it was a situation being so early in the year where pitch count was kind of an issue, so I wasn't going to be able to. But, you know, I definitely would have liked to go out there for two more innings and finish that thing off. But, but it is what it is, you know, early in the season. Pitch count, you gotta, you got to be careful. So, so I wasn't able to, but I sure, I sure would have loved to, no doubt. No doubt. And so, you know, getting 14 strikeouts in a game is, is one thing, right? Getting 14 strikeouts against your arch rival on Friday night is a completely other. But you did that the, literally the next week. Uh, 14 strikeouts again at Founders Park. Um, you also tied a program best with seven straight strikeouts. You won the Tom Price Award for the Clemson Series, given the most valuable player of the series. I mean, I'll kind of ask you again, similar question. I mean, again, getting 14 Ks against Charleston Southern is one thing, obviously, but the emotions, everything. I remember specifically in that Clemson game, one strikeout you have where, I mean, you're literally like about to sprint off the field. You're so jacked up. I mean, just kind of talk about that night. Obviously, Playing Clemson, anytime South Carolina and Clemson play on the baseball field, it's the best rivalry in college baseball. But, I mean, that night specifically, how cool was it, again, to dominate the way you did against those guys? Yeah, you know, that, that's probably one of the coolest moments of my life, that game. Uh, you know, I just, you know, being a Gamecock fan my whole life, you know, dream about playing in a, in a series against Clemson. And uh, to just get the opportunity to go out there at home and pitch on a Friday night in that environment, you know, I was just – obviously really jacked up and and to be able to throw the way I did and uh put us in a position to win the game it, you know it's just it's one of the coolest experiences of my life you know I that, that's one of the most fun games I've ever been a part of no doubt so I'll ask you switching gears a little bit on the Carolina Clemson baseball series uh the rivalry in general obviously South Carolina able to get Clemson this year two of three I was able to go to all three games um but when you were there obviously you guys were unable to beat those guys I, I mean 
did the, did frustration for the rivalry series in general ever set in? I, mean, I know players probably take it differently than fans do, but just in the locker room, was that something ever where you guys felt the pressure against Clemson to get that series win? I mean, what what do you just? I'll ask you this: What do you remember specifically? I guess from playing Clemson while you were at Carolina. Yeah, just a uh, you know a lot of emotion in every game. You know, they were definitely uh, high intensity games, and I mean, you know, in, in my time there. You know, we we always would split those first two games, and it always come down to the Sunday game. And uh, you know, it's just every every time it was just a really hard fought, close game, all the way down to the end. And just ball didn't roll our way. You know, that's just that's just that's just baseball. Just the way it goes sometimes. So I mean, you know, there was there was no added pressure. I mean, like I said, there was a lot of emotion, but you know, we were just out there playing baseball and trying to win the game. But there was there was no added pressure. I don't think. So, as a Gamecock fan, I think you could probably relate to this well. How, how happy were you knowing that after 2018 that South Carolina wouldn't have to face Seth Beer anymore? <laughs> yeah, he, he's a good hitter. He he did some damage to us. I mean, he you know he he definitely has put some good swings on some baseballs against us. But uh, but yeah, you know he's he's a good hitter. Uh, but you know, I mean, it is what it is. We. We always went around and stuff, so, I mean, <laughs> I don't really know. It's, you know, I was, I was just glad to see we were able to win two or three this year. Yeah, no, no doubt for sure. So, that 2018 season, Adam, I mean, not only a good year for you, but for South Carolina as well. I mean, obviously, there were a lot of questions with Mark Kingston, kind of what this program was going to do, where this team was going to go. I mean, obviously, you know as good as anybody, there are – extremely, extremely high expectations for South Carolina baseball year in and year out. I thought Ray Tanner said it best before this season started. He said, you know, the names change, but the expectations do not. I mean, it's, it's, it's reload. I mean, that's, that's the Gamecock baseball fans' mindset, and I think the players embrace that as well. But 2018, you guys certainly do that. You make it all the way to the Super Regionals against Arkansas. You're one game away from Omaha. I mean, Arkansas, not too bad of a team themselves, a team that was literally – I could argue maybe should have won the College World Series due to a, you know, a drop foul ball or what have you. But anyways, a very good team. Just kind of talk about because I thought the 2018 team, obviously a ton of seniors, most guys ever drafted. I think it was 10 or 11. You can correct me if I'm wrong there. But, um, yeah, you see, I saw a lot of guys that really stepped up. First guy that comes to my mind is like a Madison Stokes, Hunter Taylor, Justin Rowe, guy, maybe guys that weren't um, – Huge, huge impact guys your first two years, but they really came, you know, really came into their own that uh, that 2018 season. Just, just kind of talk about what that ride was like getting to uh, getting to Fayetteville and going to the Super Regionals. Yeah, you know, it was awesome. You know, the year definitely had ups and downs, but I mean, like you you mentioned those guys, your Justin Rose, your Hunter Taylors, uh, Madison Stokes, all those guys. You know, just having that senior leadership and those guys to to know you set the tone uh, for our team. Just, just lead by example. I mean, you know, I think that really propelled us to, you know, winning that that ECU regional and going to Arkansas and playing for a chance to go to Omaha. I mean, you know, just there's so too many guys to name on that team that had a, a huge impact and helped us to get to where we got. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, it's just uh, that's, that was probably a one of the funnest years of baseball I've had. Um, just playing on that team, you know, everybody's excited to come to the park every day. And, uh, you know, we just really enjoyed ourselves, enjoyed playing together. No doubt. So going back a little bit, you know, after Chad Holbrook resigns, if you will, or he goes to Char- uh, College of Charleston and Mark Kingston's brought on, what would you say the biggest thing – what was the biggest thing that changed? Would you say it was mentality, approach, um, 
philosophy? I'm just what what would you say is the biggest thing that changed? Because I don't think the team itself, 2017 to 18. The names didn't really seem to change all that much, but obviously the success in the field was different. I mean, what what would you say was the biggest difference that Mark Kingston brought into the building? Yeah, um, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, we just, like I said, he, he was very upbeat, positive, high energy. And, uh, you know, I guess it just, you know, everybody everybody really wanted to play for him, go to battle for him. Um, and, I mean, I you know, I mean, Obviously, some hitters could attest to it better than I could. But I mean, it, you know, he—they he, were in there working with the hitters every single day um, on you know launch angles and and different things like that. So, I mean, I think a lot of different things played into it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think just from a from a mental standpoint, just the positive attitude and just all that stuff just really helped us to uh, you know just play as well as we did. No doubt. So before we get into your professional career, Adam, I do want to ask you about this year's South Carolina Gamecocks baseball team. Obviously, did not go the way that South Carolina fans wanted, but obviously a bunch of your buddies still on the team. I think a guy specifically like a TJ Hopkins, Jacob Olson, Chris Cohen, the seniors from this year's team. I mean, how much how much fun was it watching those guys? Obviously, TJ and Jacob both picking up national uh national player of the week awards from different sources, if you will, especially TJ for what he did against Clemson. I mean, how, how much fun was it to watch your guys go out there and uh, and battle every day? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, uh, you know, seeing those guys who I've been with for two, three years uh, go out there and did what they did. I mean, you know, those guys are seniors, seeing them step into that role. You know, I mean, I've been with TJ since my freshman. He was my freshman year roommate. And then, you know, Olsen as well. I mean, just seeing those guys uh, step into the senior leadership role they did and, and play the way they did, it was awesome. I mean, the year didn't go the way they wanted it to, but, I mean, those guys never stopped fighting, you know, and I know for a fact they kept a positive attitude through the whole thing, and they just kept fighting. And, I mean, to, to, like I said, to see them play the way they did was awesome. So, obviously, there's been a lot of talk amongst South Carolina fans. You know, obviously, fans on Twitter, right, they're all rational, right? It's a great place to go if you want rational thought and well-thought-out opinion yeah. and stuff like that. But in your, in your opinion, a guy that played under Mark Kingston, again, give fans, give people a reason why this South Carolina baseball program will return to Omaha, return to its greatness under his leadership? Because a lot of people obviously are recovering the scar tissue from the 2019 season, but I have a feeling you would agree with me in thinking that Mark Kingston is certainly the guy and that the Gamecocks will have a huge bounce back 2020 and beyond, I would imagine. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, it's everybody that plays in South Carolina under Coach Kingston is completely bought into what he's trying to do and what he's teaching. And with the guys he's bringing in and just the things he's teaching and preaching every single day, uh, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that, you know, South Carolina is going to be back up with the elites in no time. I mean, you know, I mean, there's tons of talent up and down the roster. It's just it's just a matter of time until, you know, South Carolina is back at the top. Yeah, and I would definitely say injuries and other other factors plays in, played into this season as well. But let, let's get Without back in your – yeah, let's get back in your career, Adam. Obviously, like I mentioned, you're taken in the fourth round of the 2018 MLB draft by the New York Mets. Um, obviously, I mean, anybody that has grown up playing baseball, you go to a school like South Carolina, it's a dream of yours to play professional baseball. Just kind of describe that day, describe that moment. You get the phone call, you, you get the call from the New York Mets. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was awesome. So, actually, we were, uh, we were practicing um, in Columbia, uh, getting ready for that Super Regional, and uh, – the pitchers were out on the field throwing and uh, Carlos Cortez had just gotten the call in the third round from the Mets. 
and you know he he ran out on the concourse and we were all cheering for him and stuff and we finished throwing and came back inside and uh i was just sitting there looking on my phone no notification or anything and no answers just like was like adam and i looked at my phone and saw that i got taken and then everybody started freaking out and <laughs> It, it was it was awesome. I mean, it you know it's it was like like you said, the dream come true. I mean, you know, I I couldn't have ima- imagined it being any better than what it was. I mean, just that feeling of getting taken, you know, fulfilling the dream of playing professional baseball was awesome. Do Do you feel like it's kind of cruel and unusual punishment for guys that I, I know you've seen the scenarios where guys are playing in regionals or super regionals and like the draft is literally going on during that time and guys are getting drafted in the middle of games and stuff I mean what why has Major League Baseball not fixed that yet because it seems like the easiest fix in the world and it's like you're not even letting a guy really enjoy his moment because like like if you're on the mound out there it's like you got to stay in the moment stay in your game but at the same time your lifelong dream just came true I mean that, I know you were out because you had practice yeah. but I'm sure you've seen that and heard of that happening before yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> you know, that is interesting that you say that. I mean, that, like you said, I've seen a lot of scenarios where that has happened. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like that would be a pretty easy fix. I mean, it's definitely a moment you want to enjoy and, you know, savor with your family and friends. You know, it probably, it probably would, wouldn't be a bad idea to try to try to change that up a little bit. <laughs> no doubt. So, you uh, again, you get signed by the Mets, you go play pro ball. Talk about just sort of the jump for you, obviously, from – college baseball you went at the highest level Friday night starter SEC you're obviously kind of back battling for a spot obviously in professional baseball I mean what was the transition like from college to pro yeah it was different um so I went and played in uh short season a ball in Brooklyn New York so I mean that's you know it's definitely different from uh Columbia South Carolina for sure <laughs> um <laughs> but uh you know I I had thrown so many innings in college that I was, uh, I was coming out of the bullpen my first professional season. So, you know, that in itself was definitely an adjustment. And then just, you know, just getting getting used to even more so in college, just the everyday grind of coming to the field, trying to get better every single day, you know, and, and battling, competing, you know, I mean, just getting used to that every day, I, I guess. But uh, I think that first, uh, that first short season was good for me to, to kind of understand what professional baseball is like and, you know, what you need to do to be successful. So, Yeah, like you said, I mean, you were coming out of the bullpen. You did pretty well, one and one, two, three, five ERA, 15 and a third innings pitch. I mean, pretty solid. I would definitely say pretty solid there in short season. Um, One thing that's really interesting about your career, because I'm sure this happens more often than I'm giving it credit for, but, I mean, you're drafted, signed by the Mets literally, what, six months later, January 5th, 2019, you are traded. Uh, You are traded to the Milwaukee Brewers um, in a trade. I mean – were you were you surprised? Because like you said, you're, you're sitting there. You're like, all right, I'm signed with the Mets. You're probably imagining you're going to be with the Mets for a little bit, and all of a sudden, there you're going to Milwaukee. You're going to the Milwaukee Brewers organization. I mean, what what was that like? Yeah, um, I was definitely shocked. Um, I was with my family uh, in the mountains actually, and just got a call and said I'd been traded to the Brewers. And so it was, you know, I mean, it, it was definitely a shock to me, but I was, you know, I was definitely excited because obviously, you know the Brewers have a great reputation of developing pitchers and whatnot. And then also, you know, I've got Braden Webb in the organization who I'm familiar with and stuff. So, I mean, it's definitely exciting for me, but yeah, you know, I was expecting to be with the Mets, but you know, everything happens for a reason. So I'm definitely excited where I'm at. No doubt. So what would you say? I mean, I'm sure, I'm not sure if they've had this conversation with you, but what is the plan for you as far as, I think most guys, they have like a 
two, three, four year plan, if you will, kind of where they want you to fit within the, in, within the organization, how they want to see you develop, stuff like that. Have they kind of given you any indications on kind of what the plan is for you moving forward over the next couple of years? Um, not too much a plan. Just right now, you know, I'm I'm in uh, I'm in Lowey in Appleton, Wisconsin, with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, and uh, I'm starting right now. So, I guess right now the goal is to just uh, you know, get better every day. Uh, try to go deep into ball games as best I can. Uh, get my innings up, and then just you know, see where it goes from there. I mean, I'm just trying to go out there and work hard every day, and you know, try to get better, and uh, and uh, you know, just try to have some success. For sure, yeah, and you're doing very well. Five and three, three point six three ERA, and just over forty four innings pitch. Um, I think the transition is different for everybody as far as you know. There's the level of hitters you are facing. Obviously, the amount of games you play is obviously way more than college. What's what's been the biggest transition for you? Would you say? Um. Yeah, I guess it's just the, uh, you know, the the travel and the the everyday kind of grind. I mean, you know, I. It, you know we're we're constantly traveling we're playing every single day so it's just coming to the ballpark ready to go and having a good mindset and having the mindset that you're going to get better every single day and and you know use each day as an opportunity to get better so I mean I guess I guess just that I mean just just uh just adjusting to the grind of of minor league baseball and trying to to get better as best you can so kind of switching gears here, Adam, a little bit, kind of off the wall question again. I know Braden's your uh, your roommate. You spent a lot of time with him, and he's he's put you on his Instagram feed before. Has he paused you lately? I know nobody's going to know what I'm talking about except for a couple of people. But has, has he? Because he, he was kind of he was kind of we were laughing about that the last time he was on the show. So I was just curious if he was still doing that or not. Yeah, he got me in spring training before <laughs> we left. Uh, we were at Cold Stone at the ice cream uh, ice cream place, and. Uh, we were all walking out with our ice cream, and he paused me right as I'm walking out. So I kind of had to stay there for a while until he decided to come back and get me. But how, how long does he, how long does he let you sit there? I mean, is it like a full? He let like, me there for a good five minutes. <laughs> a good five minutes, I was there. Oh man! All right. Well, before we let you go, Adam, last question. Obviously, it's a Gamecocks podcast. I want to just simply put, what would you say um, from your time in Garnet and Black? Your favorite memory as a Gamecock? Favorite memory, huh? You know, I'd, I'd probably have to go back to, to last year, that Clemson game on that Friday night, just, you know, with with the way that I was able to, to pitch in that game and then the way we won the game with the walk-off from TJ. I mean, you know, I just can't put that into words. That kind of, you know, emotion and excitement, it was just unbelievable and a really unbelievable experience for, for me, for sure. Absolutely. Well, Adam, hey, appreciate you taking the time, man. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Obviously, best of luck with everything. Stay healthy, and we'll be uh, – Obviously, keeping up with your career. Hope to, hope to hear Adam Hill in the uh, in the big league real soon. Yeah, for sure, no doubt. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.